it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had the pleasure in interviewing Ashley Kirkwood. Ashley is an entrepreneur, a dynamic speaker, and trademark lawyer. We had a great conversation. I mean, she shared some tips on trademark, the legal side of business. Um, we talked about, you know, what it takes to become a speaker. And she just really shared a little bit about her business and insight on what it is that she helps entrepreneurs with. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Here's a little bit of Ashley's bio. Ashley Kirkwood is a dynamic speaker, trademark lawyer, and on-air legal expert for a Chicago daytime show. Her law firm, Mobile General Counsel, helps entrepreneurs to trademark their brand and protect their assets with contracts. She takes great pride in helping business owners on the legal side and the business side. On the business side, she helps entrepreneurs and experts make speaking an income stream through live events, her podcasts, and coaching programs, which all fall under Ashley's brand, Speak Your Way to Cash. When Ashley's not helping her legal or coaching clients, you can find her on stage around the country delivering her signature speech, The Currency of Confidence. She's a sought-after expert who speaks on topics such as sales, training, and storytelling. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor, and we have an awesome guest today, Ashley Kirkwood. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being on. I'm super excited to talk to you today, Ashley. So I'd like to start off with something fun. So Tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Um, I used to rap in college, like freestyle with my oh, friends. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Now that's the first, the first uh, college rapper I've had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very good, but I just would freestyle with friends. It was like fun and funny and... <laughs> And a lot of people do not know that. I was actually thinking about that the other day because I rap for my husband all the time and he always looks at me like I'm crazy, but, <laughs> but I used to do it in college all the time and it would trip people out. I bet it would. I wish I, I used to always wish I could rap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it never happened, but I always wished I could rap for sure. Well, that's super cool. <laughs> 
Awesome, awesome. So are you in the music at all now? Like, I know you, you say you weren't a great rapper. Do you sing or anything? Yeah, I sing. Um, we used to sing praise and worship at church before all the COVID stuff. So we haven't done it since. But um, yeah, me and my husband sing praise and worship. Oh, awesome, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I sing in my church too, but I know everything is totally different now. So yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Yeah, so I own Mobile General Counsel, which is a law firm for entrepreneurs. And really, the firm started through me speaking and getting my name out there to other business owners and entrepreneurs. And so I started a spinoff brand called uh, Speak Your Way to Cash. So they're two separate companies, but I... In addition to running the law firm, I do quite a bit of public speaking for pay and consulting. And a lot of folks were asking, you know, how are you getting paid to speak? And so we started Speak Your Way to Cash, which is a podcast, a Facebook group, and a platform where we teach speakers and consultants and experts how to get paid speaking engagements. So those are kind of the two companies that take up my time in addition to everything else. Okay. So so you're a lawyer by trade, and you started your own company um, with for trade marketing, helping business owners and that stuff first, right before you uh, started the speaking company, is that right? Well, I started speaking. I started them. I've been speaking for a long time, so probably for the past ten years. Um, what happens when you start a business, and a lot of your uh, listeners can probably appreciate this, is it takes time to build a brand. Prior to starting my law firm, I was making three hundred thousand dollars as a corporate attorney, and so. I was not known to represent entrepreneurs. I was known to represent billion dollar businesses. So while I was building up that brand, the money that I made on day one of entrepreneurship all came from speaking. So that was how we were able to keep things going after leaving such a significant salary was getting paid to speak, bulk selling my book. Um, so it was really out of a necessity at that point. But at the same time, I was building my law firm practice up and building that brand. And it took about six months for the law firm building, just brand building, being consistent, doing Facebook lives, doing interviews, being on podcasts, going on television um, to get the brand out there before we landed our first really big client. And then after that, it just skyrocketed. We had, um, we've helped over 100 businesses in our first year, full year, bulletproof and protect their brand. So you know, speaking was always something that was a part of me, but I formalized it um, in 2018 when I started that business and podcast and brand to help other speakers. It's interesting how you took something that you were doing anyway, and you saw a need to help business owners. And now you have a business teaching people the speaking platform and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I want to like kind of go down, um, some of the services that you offer for us, like the trade market and everything. Because uh, for my audience, we focus on the business side of beauty. A lot of people have questions about that. So I wanted to kind of dive into that. And then I want to dive into the speaking and everything. Okay, perfect. So um, what are some of the issues that you find that entrepreneurs have when it comes to trademarking their business? Well, one, most a lot of entrepreneurs do not trademark their business. There was a study that came out by one of the um, entrepreneurial magazines that said business owners spend less than 1% of their revenue on legal expenses, which tells me that most business owners are not taking the legal side of their business seriously. So the first problem people have is they don't trademark it at all. The second is that they think that they're too small to get sued. Um, and it's just not true. There's a huge, um, there's a really big fashion house that goes around and sues small businesses that utilize boss in the title. 
Like if they use the word Boston title at all, they've been sending out cease and desist letters to them, suing them, whether you make $1 or $1,500 a month, it doesn't matter. Um, even if you make like $15,000 a month or $50,000 a month, like they do not care about your revenue. They only care about the fact that you're using a name that they may think that they own. And if you don't own your own trademark, you don't know if you're infringing on someone else's. So most business owners think, oh, it, I'm too small. It'll never happen to me. I need to figure out something else first. But your biggest liability is, your biggest asset is your brand. And the biggest liability is you losing that brand because you don't own it. Awesome. That's a tweetable right there, Ashley. <laughs> that is a tweetable right there. Um, why do you think that is that most business owners don't trademark their businesses? Cost. Um, cost and value. So for a lot of business owners, it's hard for them to figure out um, what to spend their money on. And they're so tight with money because they don't know when it'll come back to them, especially if they're full-time entrepreneurs and they're new to it. So they're like, oh, well, you know, if I don't, if I spend this money, what if I don't get it back? How will I pay my bills? How will I do this? How will I do that? And the reality is that mindset will keep you broke. You have to figure out the value of your brand and make a really clear assessment on, okay, if this brand is going to be here forever, and if this brand, if I really believe this brand is going to be as successful as I say, then what would I do? What would the me do that believes in myself? What would the me do that believes in my brand? Well, the person that believes in their brand would do what all the other successful brands do, which is trademark the name, protect it, utilize brand colors that aren't similar to their competitors. They would do what it took to make sure that it was secured because they know that that brand will inevitably lead them to the bank. And most business owners that I meet are insecure in their brand. So when you're insecure in your brand, you don't believe it'll make money, you're unsure about the potential and you don't protect it because you don't know whether or not it'll be there. And so I always like to put myself in the position like, what would billion dollar Ashley do? Well, she wouldn't worry about this. She would get her stuff trademarked, get it protected. If I had to hire another lawyer, I'd hire another lawyer. And that permeates to every aspect of you being a business owner. So, you know, you being a solopreneur doesn't really make sense. I'm, I, it, if you're literally making absolutely no money, then yes, that makes sense. But if you're making money and you can hire someone who can help you propel yourself to the next level, then you have to invest. Like you need to get coaches, you need to get classes, you need to do what it takes to develop yourself. Because, you know, you're the only one that's going to give you a promotion at this point when you're an entrepreneur. No one else is going to give you a promotion. So I have to promote myself, which means I need to be qualified to promote myself, which comes from learning more. Mm -hmm. I think this is good because another thing I could say is maybe people are just not aware of the importance of trademarking their businesses and having, you know, certain legal things in order. Yeah. So that's another good point, but that comes from knowledge, right? So if you're mm -hmm. going to be in business, you have an obligation to learn what it takes for you to do it legally. So there's two people every entrepreneur should hire, um, a lawyer and an accountant. And even if you can't hire a lawyer long-term, book one consultation with an attorney so they can walk you through business formation. So which entity should you be? Sole proprietorship, LLC, partnership, um, you know, corporation, professional, professional organization, and then an accountant. Because you want to make sure you're paying quarterly taxes, you're saving enough money for taxes, you're doing what it takes to be protected on that front. So those are two people you definitely want to hire. And then after that, or in, you know, with that, I would hire a coach, hire someone who's already been successful in the exact field that you're looking to be successful in. So if you're in the beauty industry, you need a beauty coach, like someone who's already gotten into stores, someone who's already sold well online, who knows e-commerce, 
If you're going to run ads, get a Facebook ads coach. So not knowing isn't really, you know, even in, in law school, we, there's this saying that's like, if you sign a bad contract, you can't go before the judge and say, well, I didn't know, you know, that doesn't work. And so you can't be ignorant in business. And if you are, just identify the areas in which you're ignorant. So like me, I, I never made money online when I first started my business. So I immediately was like, oh, let me hire. I hired um, Bianca. She runs Caden K Consulting. Um, so I hired her. I was like, well, you make money online. I want to make money online. I want to build an online business. I'm going to hire you. I don't know Facebook ads. I'm running ads now. So I took a class by this guy named Abu who does really well with Facebook ads. So you, you as a business owner are responsible for knowing your deficiencies and then figuring out who you can hire to help you through those deficiencies. So if you know like legal isn't my thing, you got to hire a lawyer, at least do a consult. I know accounting is not my thing. I hired an accountant um, and a bookkeeper. So you just have to hire through your deficiencies. That's the only way um, you're going to be able to really thrive in business. Mm -hmm. Or learn it yourself. So that's the other Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Definitely. I I was having a conversation um, with some beauty pros just the other day. And they were asking me about um, this whole thing of whether you should take a deposit or you should hold the credit card of the client and everything. And um, someone asked me a question and they said, well, the issue is, is um, if you were to deposit, you, if you, they take you to court, you wouldn't be able to, you know, you would have to, you would have to pay them the funds or something like that. You, you need to um, name it retainer or whatever. And so I had just actually advised them to, have a lawyer or someone look at all of their uh, wording for their contracts and everything that they use for their policies and everything. I told them it wouldn't hurt to hire someone to look at something like that because I wasn't hundred percent sure on how that goes. You know, um, I always just had my client hold cards for services. You know, I would just hold a card and for, I had a cancellation fee in place, but uh, can you speak to some, some of those things? Because we were just having a conversation about it. Yeah. So that would be something you would want to have a lawyer look at. And every state has its own um, rules as it relates to what can be in your contract and what's going to be enforceable. So you do want to make sure, number the best thing to do is to make sure your client knows exactly what your policies are, because the more you communicate on the front end, the lower your probability of having disputes is on the back end. So if a client knows, you know, it's a $75, because I, you know, when I go get my nails done, I think it's, I don't know, $50 deposit. And then if you don't show up, you pay the full $75 fee, you don't get your money back. Okay, well, they communicate that in four different places on the website. So I can't say I didn't know. And that means that if there were to be an issue, then possibly I would, if I miss the appointment, then I'm like, okay, well, I already know I'm going to lose this money. I'm not going to then waste time and energy going back and forth with them over $75. Now, here's the other thing. If you've never, if you don't have written policies, if you don't have written terms and conditions, you're just saying these things like, oh, you're going you're gonna to lose your money. That's horrible. You need to have people sign agreements, have terms and conditions on your website, make them clear, have them sign disclaimers. You need to have all of your stuff in order. And we have um, some contract templates that we, we can create for clients. And what I typically recommend is like, you just get them done once, get a good contract template done once, get a good assessment of your business done once. And then as your business grows, you get things updated. But at the out, the initial stages, you just need to spend the money to get it done right one time. 
and then learn how to communicate exactly what your policies are to your clients so that you can avoid confusion. So that's typically what I would um, recommend for that. But, you know, the other thing is you don't want, you don't really, so that's the legal side of it. You do, On the business side, you don't want to waste your time with $75. Like I'm not arguing right. with a client about $90. They're like, I'm going to sue you over, you're not suing me over $90. Like I will just give you the $90 back. So even if you have a contract in place, that's like, you don't get the money back. Are you really going to waste that much time on that? Like you might, there have been times when I, I had a client, there was some miscommunication and she didn't ask for her money back. I don't, yeah, she didn't ask for her money back, but I ended up giving her like $2,000 back. So I was like, you know, I don't want there to be any confusion. And she was a long-term client. So I just gave her the money back, no problem. And she ended up doing business with me like five more times over right after that. Um, and that's the only time we've ever issued a refund in the firm's history. But I will say, we've, we've also never been asked, but I, I will say um, it sometimes is worth it. The legal side isn't always in lockstep with what you should do on the business side. So you want to make sure your legal stuff is ordered, but then you have to, as the business professional, make a determination about what kind of brand do you want to be and then do what's best in alignment with that brand because you don't want the negative implications of someone going around saying you're a bad you know, beauty professional, you don't do a good job, you disrespect your clients. So you want to keep all of that tight. And what I see in the beauty industry as more of a problem than anything else is customer service. There's a huge yes. lack of customer service. The way the wording is on the websites, like no kids and all caps, come with your hair. I mean, it's just like, girl, like I'm paying right. you for a service. And most of the time people want to feel like they're being, you know, catered to. So the way that your contracts are written, the way that you explain your policies needs to be professional and customer centered. Like mm -hmm. we don't do, we don't want our clients doing extra work. We don't want them to feel bad. I don't want to send no rude emails. And if a member of my team sends an email that I'm like, that's a little too sharp, like they will apologize. I'm like, you need to apologize to them and tell them, hey, I made a, I made a mistake. I should have been on top of that. Here's the information you required. Like if we would get customer service right, a lot of these legal disputes wouldn't happen. But when you're rude and nasty, people will sue you. <laughs> so yes. they'll go all out. They'll sue you over a little $50 little nail appointment. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They'll and cease and desist. Like. People have hired me to write letters for thousands of dollars over like a hundred dollars because they felt disrespected. So you do want to just, if you could just be nice and have good customer service and be clear with people, it'll save you a lot of problems. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, customer service is a really big issue. And even on a, the side of receiving services, I've received poor customer service and like, and I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on the business side of beauty, because I understood that a lot of times, you know, beauty professionals are artists. They're good with nails and hair and makeup, but not necessarily the business side of it, not necessarily customer service or legal either, right? Yeah, no, customer service and legal. And I think, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is if you could just be, if you could get the customer service piece of it and the business piece of it, people will be more forgiving about some of the other stuff because everyone understands you're just getting started. Like no one expects you to know everything, but you, you are responsible, I think, as a CEO to know where you're lacking and start working on that. Yes, I agree. So in addition to, so you talked about making sure that, you know, you hire a lawyer, you hire a counsel when you start your business. Um, in addition to that, what other legal expenses should a business owner um, look into? 
Well, there's a few. So with the business, you need to um, file your LLC or your incorporation. So you want to form a business entity. That cost varies by state. It could be up to thousands of dollars or it could be under a thousand dollars. Typically, it's it's a thousand or under. It's not too much more than that. If you're just filing the paperwork, if you do it yourself, you don't hire a lawyer. Um, you want to get an EIN. You want to have a business bank account. You want to keep your business and personal finances separate. Um, you also want to look into trademarks and copyright. So if you have a blog, that would be a copyright. Content can be content falls under federal copyright protection. So if you've written a book, a blog, you you're an artist, any of that type of stuff falls under copyright. If you have a business name, you typically want to get your name trademarked. But if you're a beauty professional and like you have products, you may have different names for each one of your products that can be trademarked or your product line that can be trademarked. So you want to think through what are my assets in the business and how am I going to protect them, which is why you also want to have an operating agreement. So some agreement that governs what happens if you die, what happens if your partner is no longer a partner in the business. Um, it's either an operating agreement, a partnership agreement, or a shareholders agreement, depending on which um, entity type you select. But there are definitely, those are the big things that I would recommend people look into or Google and find out, okay, what, which of these do I need? But, you know, doing a, our legal consults are $99 for a 30-minute quick consult, and that just is, helps us to figure out what services you need. Um, and then we, we make recommendations on what you should do first, second, and third based on your budget. And I'll make sure, um, I know you offer a variety of different um, do-it-yourself type of trainings where you show uh, business owners how to, you know, apply for the trademark. You take them step through step on how to and all of the other, and a lot of the other different paperwork in it as well. So I'll make sure I leave those links for sure because you, you have some good stuff in there. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's talk about, so I seen you were, you, you did a TED talk and it was great. Um, I thought you were very funny and informative in that. So now, you know, I know you're, you're, you have a podcast and you focus on teaching speakers, you know, how to sell, how to become better speakers, how to get paid. So let's talk about that because a lot of people, um, have had to pivot, right? So, uh, um, I know a lot of, um, people who have, are looking to come from behind the chair, maybe teach, what they know, maybe start speaking and teaching. So what, what are some tips that you would give an entrepreneur that's looking to add speaking to their platform? I would, one, figure out what is your real expertise? Um, and is your expertise technical? Like you're a lawyer, an accountant, um, a, a PhD or something like that? Or is it more uh, like soft skills? So you are an exceptional, you're resilient. You're able to make something out of nothing. You're able to be really encouraging. You're very positive no matter what. You're calm in the midst of a storm. So figure out what your expertise is, whether it's technical or if it involves some soft skills. And then after that, figure out who would be your audience and make sure that audience actually has a budget, um, which is a lot of what we spend time teaching our speakers is, you know, yeah, sure, you want to help, you know, kids in X, Y, and Z state who are dealing with these problems. But the kids won't have a budget to pay you. So who is the entity or organization that can pay you to share that expertise? And for a lot of, um, you know, women, especially black women, we typically have a, a pool to do something for the community, which is great. And but that doesn't always pay well. So a lot of the, my speakers come to me and they're like, oh, I want to speak at churches or I want to speak in schools. And it's like, OK, well, that's cool. But will that pay you? Because 
are you coming to me because you want to do something nonprofit or do you want to get paid to speak? Because if you want to get paid to speak, then you have to figure out how you can use your expertise to target an audience that'll pay you. And then maybe every five paid speeches you get, you donate a speech to the organization of your choice that you would like to work with. But I do believe people should, if you're an entrepreneur and you know, you need money to pay your bills and stuff, you focus on what's going to be income generating first because you can always do something civic on the back end or tie your civic responsibility into what you do that's income generating. Great, great. So I, I think it was interesting that you, um, when you say you need to know what your expertise is, but then know your audience and make sure your audience has the budget, right? And that's, and I thought, I think that's interesting because a lot of times I know people may not think about that, but when that's some, that's one of the first things when I talk to my clients, like knowing who your customer is. And then we also kind of figure out like, okay, what's their income bracket. And that way you can know if your customer can afford you. Cause I remember even when I was planning out, okay, knowing who my customer is for makeup, I didn't necessarily, I wanted to teach makeup and I wanted like a woman who, who corporate woman who could afford to pay for makeup lessons. Of course, I wouldn't target maybe 17 to 20 year olds because they can't afford that. You know, they, they don't have jobs. They may be still in school, depending on their parents. So I think it's, that's some great advice, really understanding exactly um, who your customer is. Um, so what is um, the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Mm, I think the biggest lesson I learned is that the more I invest, the more I see benefits. Um, and so for me, you know, the more we make, the more we invest. And it's counterintuitive because you'd almost feel like you wouldn't have more. <laughs> but just learning that, like, for me, I have to keep investing and I have to keep self-analyzing where I'm weak, not where I'm strong. I know where I'm strong. Like, I, if I say I'm great at something, I'm great at it. I'm not, I don't lie about that. If I'm good at it, I'm good at it. And that's easy because that's the stuff that I've been doing my whole life. That's the stuff that my clients say I'm great at. My family says I'm great at. So I don't need to focus on where I'm great. I need to focus on where I'm deficient and make sure that I have people in place that can help me to either learn it or that can watch my six and just handle it. Um, and so that's been really, really, really critical. And also listening to people around you. And um, one of the, the mantras that I learned is that I can learn from anyone. Like I like anyone, it don't matter. Like people have negative things to say about people like, you know, Donald Trump or all these people in the news who are negative. I can learn from anyone. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I can learn from you. Now, I may not personally pay you to learn from you because I don't like you, but I can learn from anyone. And I think that, you know, high level thinkers, they learn from everything and anyone and lower level thinkers only learn from people they like. And that is going to keep you stuck. So I learned from anyone, everyone, even people who do me wrong. I'm like, okay, I see that. I see how you were able to do that. Okay, interesting. That makes sense. I won't do that again. You have to be able to learn from anyone and not be so emotional in business. <laughs> so those are the things that I've had to learn is like, learn from anyone, don't get too emotional and try to think about what you would do. What, what would the best version of yourself do in situations where you feel a little uneasy? Mm -hmm. Great advice. Uh, that's interesting, learning from anyone. But I do, I agree with that. I do feel like you can learn from anyone. Like I 
my daughter, I have a teenage daughter and I, you know, learn things just talking to her. So people, you never know who, you know, what people know or what you can take from people. It, like you said, it doesn't have to be everything. You don't necessarily have to agree with everything they do, but you can learn. You're just watching yeah. and listening. For mm-hmm. sure. So what are you working on right now? What are you excited about? Well, you know, I'm excited about my new child. I have a two-month-old daughter, so I'm really trying to focus and not be so um, everywhere and do everything. So I'm really, I'm working on building my team, which I'm really excited about that. We've hired several people over the past couple of months. And then I'm also working on my Speaker Ready Cash virtual retreat. It was going to be in person, but it has to be virtual due to COVID. And so we are really working on making this an outstanding, outstanding experience It's a two-day mastermind. We have guest speakers coming in. We have clients coming in who are going to look through the pitches of the attendees and really tell them, okay, this is why I would not hire you. This is why I would hire you. This is what made us hire. They're my clients. So they're my speaking clients. This is what made us hire her. This is why we uh, like her. This is what we were apprehensive about. This was the budget we have. So just, I think getting that insight is going to be critical to speakers, but I'm super excited about that event and just making it the absolute best event that it can be. Um, And I know that it's going to really be life-changing for the speakers who attend this year. So that's what I'm most excited about. And those are the things that I'm working on, building that up, building my uh, team and going from there. Great, great. That sounds exciting. I'll definitely make sure, you know, I have all of that in the show notes for people who may want to attend that virtual event. And um, let's talk about the baby. So how is this too much? So you're not sleeping, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, my husband's on paternity leave, so I get to sleep most okay. Sometimes I'll help him out, like with the overnight shift is what we call it. But a lot of times since I'm working and he's on paternity leave right now, he'll let me sleep through the night, which is a huge blessing. But he goes back to work in a couple of weeks, so I don't know how <laughs> how it'll work out then. I think we'll probably have to just like shift and take uh, shifts, but I try to get sleep when I can. Uh, last night I was up with her a little bit more, but I had some more energy, so it was not a big deal, but it was, yeah, it's a, it's a huge transition because we don't, we've been married eight years. This is our first child first and hopefully she's an only child, but, um, (laughs) we didn't, you know, we waited a long time before we had her and it's just so different because we were so used to just being like on our own. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, um, usually about that three month mark going into four, they started to sleep a little longer. So hopefully by the time he goes back, <laughs> she'll be sleeping a little bit longer for you and you'll have her on a routine for sure. Yeah. She def- she's definitely not going to sleep through the night, but maybe she won't get up, you know, as often. <laughs> Some days she does sleep through the night. So she'll do like 10 to six. Um, oh, okay. That's good. Day. You got a good yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. She's a good baby. It's just not all the time. So she'll do that maybe okay. five days in a row and then she'll just we're like, oh, we're like, oh, this is great. She's sleeping through the night. And then she'll just hit us with like, a, I'm up at 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, at that eight-week point, my daughter, yeah, no, every three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, every three hours. So yeah, you definitely got a good baby. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So tell us about your podcast. Yeah, the um, Speaker Ready Cash podcast is great. It's where we interview um, six and seven figure speakers and they give you advice. They give our audience advice on how to really build your speaking platform. We talk about the business of speaking. And what I love about it is we get specific because I remember listening to podcasts that other speakers hosted and being like, 
okay, yeah, but how did they land the contract? Like, that was all I wanted to know. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I have this great business and I worked really hard. I'm like, girl, okay, hard work is not a plan. Like, I need steps. You know, what are the steps? Because you can, people, everyone works hard. Like, there are people, not everyone, take that back. There are various people that work hard. And if you work hard in the wrong direction, you won't necessarily see benefits of it. So we try to ask, what are the specific measurable duplicatable steps that you took to grow your speaking business and every episode there's something that a speaker can take and implement it that day and then move on and do great things like there have been people who listened to the podcast gotten booked on television shows listened to the podcast landed their first speaking engagement without ever coming to one of my events and so then there's other people who do that and they're like okay well this is this good then I'm gonna come to the event and get and do even better so I, I love doing the podcast and I personally select everyone who's on the show. Um, I've only accept, I've had people pitch me, but I've only accepted like one pitch that I've gotten so far. Most of them are not, they're not speakers. They just, people just pitch, you know, they're not always, it's not always relevant to the topic, but I typically select the people who are on the show. They're really, it's a super diverse group from 35 year old successes to 70 plus year old speakers who who have just been in the industry 30 40 years so it's been really cool yeah yeah i um was just listening to one of your episodes recently um i also love the way you actually did some live like coaching to a speaker i think it was like a pastor yeah, so a lot of the speakers in the Speaker Way to Cash Facebook group have been like, you know, they wanted some coaching. They couldn't really afford to do a VIP day with me. So they signed up and did like um, a one-hour session at a discounted rate um, with the ability, but they consented to letting us put it on the show. So it was really great. So I was able to coach, record the show, get them on there, and do it um, at a discounted rate, which I really thought was beneficial. And they enjoyed it. I mean, it, we have a few coaching episodes on there that are really good. I think that is absolutely great. What keeps you motivated? Like what inspires you? What keeps you going? You have, you know, all these things going on. What keeps you motivated? Mm, I, I really don't know if there's one thing that keeps me motivated. I think I like, I like results. I'm really into getting results. And when I was in corporate, you know, I was doing pretty well. Like I was doing well. I had a goal. I'm very goal oriented. So I set goals for myself. And now that I'm an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, well, if I want to, like, I, I have to shape my own path. So I set goals and I try to reach those goals. And now all of my goals are directly tied to impacting others, which is very motivational. So for Speak Your Way to Cash, my business is successful the more speakers I help. So my income, my personal income in that company is tied to either how many people I can teach to land their own paid engagements or how many businesses I can help by coming and speaking to their organizations and changing their employees' lives. So that's, that's one side. And then on my firm, it's like how many businesses can I help to protect their brands? So all of my goals now are directly tied to how I can transform the lives of others, which is great. Whereas in corporate, it wasn't necessarily the same way. So I'm making an impact, I'm making income. And as the impact grows, the income also grows. So I think it's just a really cool, um, it's just a really cool relationship between impact and income that I've been able to develop in the businesses. And that keeps me pretty motivated. Awesome. Awesome. How would you define success? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like success is, success is, I mean, not to, I don't know. I don't want to say it like that, but success to me, I guess would just be 
am I living a lifestyle that I can be proud of? I don't want to work too much. I would love to just work, you know, five to 10 hours a week, if that, like that would be real success. There was a period where I'd gotten it down that I was working like four or five hours a week. It was great. Still bringing in six figures, still doing what I needed to do. Um, and so now as we scale so fast, I haven't quite figured that out again. And now with the baby, I have to figure that out again. So we've been aggressively hiring. So for me, if I can make the, if I can continue to scale my impact and my income and decrease the amount of hours that I work, then that would 100% be success. Great, great. So either tell me what book you're currently reading or what's your favorite book? So um, my, oh, well, I love this book that I wrote a book called The Law School Hustle. So that would probably be my favorite book because it took a lot to write it. <laughs> and <laughs> the book that I'm reading now, I just um, told someone the name of it. It's like Million Dollar, The Million Dollar Book Formula. Um, and it's about how to write a short book that'll sell forever. So that's what I'm currently reading um, now. And I just finished 50 Cent's book on Audible. So that was really cool. Um, I don't agree with everything 50 Cent says, but some of the stuff in the book was very, very good. I started it. I still have to finish that one. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good listen. But the book that I'm physically reading is the Million Dollar um, Book Formula, which is really good so far. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. So what either, like, I always love to ask entrepreneurs uh, to share, like, either what's either their favorite business tool or app that they use in their business. Mine would probably be Kartra. So it's just a really good email marketing landing page tool. It's made my life a lot easier. It's made it easier for me to, you know, run Facebook ads and, and also keep in contact with my audience through consistent emailing. And now we have a newsletter going. So I really, really like Kartra and all the functionalities of that app. Awesome. Awesome. Ashley, it's been so great chatting with you. Thanks for sharing so much of your knowledge and everything with the audience. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we go? Yeah, well, you know, if you listen to this and you want to connect with me, then feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at, at the Ashley Nicole show or head to my website, AshleyNicoleKirkwood.com and just click um, connect with Ashley and then you can join my email list. But um, I'm pretty easy to find and I'm welcome. You know, feel free to DM me if you have questions or anything. I'd love to connect. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Make sure you connect with her. I'm going to leave all of the links and everything in the show notes on how you can reach Ashley, Ashley Kirkwood, everyone. Connect with her. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.